It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Bill Walsh, a 20-year seasoned leader in the luxury hospitality industry. As CEO of Viceroy Hotel Group, Bill brings a truly global perspective as he brings extensive senior management experience with leading international luxury hospitality brands. His passion is in creating properties that deliver a contemporary interpretation of luxury built on the solid fundamentals of good old-fashioned hotel keeping. Since taking over the helm at Viceroy, he's added seven new properties and is preparing for the opening of new hotels in Cartagena, Portugal, Panama, and Serbia soon. Bill Walsh, welcome into the corner office. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. And uh, we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. We're now into the new year 2020 and uh, lots of exciting things ahead, I'm sure, uh, uh, with regards to the Viceroy Group. Looking forward to hearing a lot about that. But we always like to kind of start with the early years. And I know you've got uh, an international story uh, from your growing up period. So let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and you know what your early family life was like. I grew up in Ireland. Uh, I was born in Dublin, uh, and then we moved to uh, Limerick, which is a little further south uh, in Ireland. Yeah. And I grew up in a small family, in a small home, in a relatively small town, uh, never believing for or imagining for <laughs> one second that 52 years on, uh, I'd be talking in a situation like this about the career I've been lucky yeah. enough and privileged enough to have awesome. uh, from an office in West Hollywood in Los Angeles, looking out <laughs> towards the Hollywood Hills, the Griffith Observatory and, and the Hollywood Signs. So um, I sometimes have to sit back and, and just uh, allow myself the enjoyment of how fortunate I've mm. been uh, and remind mm. myself that uh, you know, there were many happy accidents and fortune along the way. Um, mm. But I got to where I am from that humble origin in Ireland uh, by working for and with some extraordinary people who molded me into the individual that I am today, allowed me to yeah. express the individuality uh, that I have uh, and to enjoy this great career. And, it, you know, it didn't start in luxury. It didn't start right. um, in a, a very exciting way that people would dream of. I was about 14 years old in Limerick, and uh, my mum's first cousin owned a guest house, and he needed mm. somebody twice a week to take out the trash. Ah. So uh, on a Tuesday and a Thursday, I'd get on my bicycle. I would cycle three and a half miles to the guest house. 
I would take out the trash cans for collection the following day. And at the end of that following day, I'd get on my bicycle and cycle back over <laughs> to, to bring the trash cans back in. So it's been a career that thus far has yeah. literally taken me from the trash room uh, to, to the boardroom. <laughs> to the executive and everything, suite. And everything in between. <laughs> everything in between. Uh, and then, oh, believe me, there are, moments, there are moments in the boardroom when I look back at just... <laughs> How Sometimes you wonder which job is easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you mentioned your mom. Uh, small family, you'd mentioned. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I do. Um, I have uh, two brothers and a, and a sister. Um, right. One of, one of my, my younger brothers uh, here in, in the U.S. also. He, he's recently uh, transferred oh. from Europe to become the CEO of uh, AMV BBDO USA. For, so oh, he, sure. he's, he's in charge right. of the ad agency for the Americas, which is fantastic. Uh, Great. A, a, a great both job. So I'm very proud of yeah. you. Yeah. The family working class, were mom and dad professionals? What were their occupations? Um, we, we, we would have been um, whatever the Irish equivalent of middle class was back yeah. in those days. Uh, the family business was advertising. Okay. Um, so no surprise that my brother stayed your, in your that. Your brother followed that route, it sounds yeah. like. Right? Uh, yeah. And I think yeah. I was expected to back in the early days. But yeah. literally from, from that first uh, engagement with, with hospitality, seeing what happened um, in the guest house, then getting a job in a local hotel. Mm. I knew from the age of 16 uh, what I wanted to do. I only applied to one hotel management school that I wanted really? to attend. Wow. Uh, and, and I was absolutely fixated on it. And, and yeah. you know, <laughs> if I hadn't got in, who knows what would have happened. Um, but <laughs> sure I did. Sure another path. Uh, and and I've, yeah. been, I've been in this industry yeah. uh, every day since, and I adore it every day. Well, since you were to, 14, today. technically, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were some of the early lessons that you learned in maybe some of those jobs or maybe from mom and dad, things that inspired you early on in life? I think the things that inspired me back then and, and what I came to realize quite quickly in hospitality are the same things that inspire me uh, today. And, mm. and it's that, you know, it's not rocket science. Uh, at the end mm. of the day, what I believe hospitality is about is, is what I believe our lives should be about. We're human beings making other human beings happy. Right. Uh, and right. I think if we can build on making people happy and in a business circumstance, then make them proud I think we're, we're in very powerful mm. territory. So from the very mm. beginning, I realized when I was at the most junior level of the, uh, of the industry that you could possibly be at, getting a paycheck at the end of the week was, was nice. It meant I could go out right. and hang out with my friends and, and have some fun. Having somebody in seniority recognize my effort and say thank you. Having mm. a manager, a supervisor, a leader, not just bark an order at me, but say please when issuing a request. Um, those were the moments that made what I did worthwhile. And I swore Being back kind. then that as a leader, <laughs> yeah. I would always try to express kindness yeah. uh, in my interactions with others and, and never nice. forget the, the humanity, which is at the heart of this industry. Um, right. Right. And, and yes, it's a business and, and we have to, to make profits and, and keep shareholders and stakeholders happy. But I've built a career and I run this company and have run others on the absolute belief that in, in P words, um, pride comes before profit. Pride mm. drives profit. And if I can only have one, I'll make people proud. And if that happens to be in an unsuccessful way business-wise, then I'll try and fix the business model. Yeah. But I will never yeah. sacrifice integrity, humanity, and pride in the pursuit of short-term profit. Mm. Great principles. Growing up, were you a good student? Um, I, I got done what I needed to, to get done. <laughs> and I think there's, there's a great advantage 
to knowing what you want to do from an early age, because then right. you know what the qualifications, the entry qualifications right. are. Yeah. And what and kind of experiences just, to get along the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and you set your, your goals to achieve that. So, mm. um, I, you know, was I straight A? No. Did I, did I <laughs> have sufficient academic capability to get me where I wanted to be? Uh, yes. Um, but I, I, I always tried to, and, uh, uh, for myself in my youth and have encouraged the same with my own kids, uh, tried to not be academically obsessed um, right. to to be rounded and to to have different fun experiences when i when i look back on that period that i was starting out in the hospitality industry and when i went to college again i i worked hard enough to make sure that i i succeeded and, and got the academic qualifications of college i needed i put myself through college and i put myself through college mm. um, by being a uh, a dj on what was yeah. then illegal commercial radio Pirate and, and pirate radio, yeah, <laughs> oh, great. and and, um, and doing stand up comedy. So, oh, really? In addition, that's cool. That's cool. So, those were kind of your entrepreneurial things, right? Uh, were, were they uh, money makers for you during those periods of time? They were. And, yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 they I'll were. The so school. the 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 DJing, um, I did the radio stuff, which didn't make me money. In order to do clubs, which did make me money. Right. And then in college, I started to organize events. So I would actually hire yes. a club and run my own events and program yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and, and the stand-up comedy was just something that I, I loved to do. Uh, and maybe it's coming from an advertising family where, where right. communication was always at the heart of what we, what yeah. we did. My mom, who's now passed, bless her, but uh, mm. she always used to say, that from the moment I was born, I, I never met a microphone I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> and always a smile on your face. I think I can hear that as well. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, absolutely. What about outside of class with sports, music, theater? Were you involved in other things that, um, you know, interested you during those early years? Um, I, I, music, but music from the perspective of uh, playing music right, uh, in DJ clubs, part. being, being, yeah, being yeah, that yeah, DJing. Yeah. And, it, you know, back then it was... It, it it was relatively um it was lucrative it was socially engaging uh, i mean it was hard work you 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 would pack the you know it wasn't digital back then so right. you'd have yeah, a box yeah, of you're, a couple you're, of thousand LVs, records yeah. <laughs> and you 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 had the, the the twin decks and the needle would break and you had your lighting right. boxes and you'd go to i don't know the local tennis club and uh, on a friday night and and set up in in their community hall and do a gig for two hours and yeah. people would love it or they wouldn't and you get paid yeah. and then go and do it again the following night at a birthday party or an engagement party. But what it, what it taught me was um, the, the value of preparation because mm. if you just turned up to wing it, um, it typically it, it didn't go well. Um, and uh, that, that sense of entrepreneurship and, and you know, it's, it, we didn't have the distractions back then, and I don't want to sound like an old man, but we didn't have the distractions <laughs> back then that I think the youth of today have. You're either out kicking a football or, right. or you're watching one of three television channels, yeah, or right. you used your time constructively, and I, I chose yeah. the latter. Awesome. Now, you went to the Galway, uh, Galway Hotel School. Was that your first choice? And you kind it of was. said you knew what you wanted to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, you were, it, and that's on the West Coast of Ireland. That's on the West mistake. Coast. And, and, so and the reason that I chose Galway um, was was not so much for uh, location, but they had a a hotel management course uh, which mm. had a greater than typical uh, component of uh, work release. So you were actually right. on property as opposed to spending work, all work the time in the, in the classroom. Yeah, an internship um, part of it, or was it a paid uh, intern? I know internships were part of it. I, I but, yeah. but I would 
I would, um, you know, finish college at three o'clock on a Friday, take a right. bus back to Limerick and I'd be working for the weekend. So I would work in a hotel um, from Saturday morning breakfast service through to dinner. And then I would go yeah. and open the nightclub as DJ uh, before mm. the main DJ came on. Do that Great. Saturday, work through Sunday and get in a bus and go back to college. But I loved it. And, and I, one, of, one of my favorite moments of my career, um, which I didn't understand at the time, but, but I do now, was on my first day of hotel school, oh. first morning, and the first interaction with a lecturer. There were about, I don't know, 28, 29 of us sitting in a classroom. And our, our professor, Brian Coyne, walked into the classroom yeah. and his opening address to us was exactly this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the hotel industry. It is highly unlikely that anybody in this room will ever become a millionaire. But my God, <laughs> but my God, you will live like one. Um, <laughs> what a great opening line. And it was a great line. And it, it's been it. true that, that this industry yeah. has taken me to across Europe. Uh, to Asia. I spent mm. seven years living in Dubai. I've been mm. here in the United States since 2012. I've seen the world. I've made great friends and partners. We do look after each other. You, you get very well treated when traveling. Right. Um, and it's been an extraordinary and pleasurable journey. Yeah, fantastic. What a, what a memorable thing. And of course, to even remember his name, that, that must have made a huge impression on you. One, one of many who came subsequently yeah. that yeah. Um, I, I owe everything to. What was the first job out of Galway Hotel School? What, what did you do first? I went to um, London uh, mm. to a hotel that no longer exists. As bricks and mortar, it exists, but it's, I, I don't even know what the brand is. But uh, back then, it was part of a German chain, which was called Penta. And they, oh, yeah, sure, um, they were part of Lufthansa, the airline, and yeah. they had airport yeah. locations. And it was an airport hotel with about right. 350 rooms. And, and I worked as a conference and banqueting coordinators so uh, when people wanted to hold meetings events incentives right. dinners weddings whatever it might be I, I was their point of contact to do the organization internally and make sure that all of the operating departments were were lined up and informed adequately to to execute on the day and, and did that for a few years mm. and loved it and and that kind of again i found myself i had subconsciously done it but perhaps deliberately subconsciously if that's not an oxymoron uh, yeah. had put myself in, in a situation where I was engaging with people constantly. It was very right. communication-based. Uh, and I built off that uh, and pursued um, a path in, in sales, marketing, public relations, and communication mm -hmm. for, for many years. So yeah. the, the commercial side of the business and activating and programming uh, hotel experiences uh, has something that has always fascinated and, and attracted me. Well, it sounds like it's a really good place to start too, Bill, because in the catering and events area, you really have an opportunity to work creatively, right, with your guests and try to create the best possible experience for them, well, always within the confines of what you have. But I'm sure there's a lot of special requests and things that people yeah. make and you try your best to try to meet those needs. And you're kind of the, the, the cog in the wheel yeah. Um, yeah, because right. an event that that is coming in, if it's a residential conference, there, there's a rooms element, there's a, a food right. and beverage element, there's a yeah. technical and audiovisual element. Lodging there's element. There's, yeah. there's everything from security and parking. And, and as the coordinator of yeah. that event, I found myself not You're only interacting the with the customer, but yeah. dealing with every department in, right. in the hotel awesome. and, and learning from what they did well and from when they occasionally missed. Sure. Did they give you leadership responsibilities early on in that role? Um, I kind of assumed it mm -hmm. a little bit. Okay. Um, it, it 
you know, there was a great degree of autonomy because you owned the event. So if you were the, the conference and banqueting coordinator for the IBM sales conference, that was yours to own. And, and you know, I started out, I, I remember, in trying to, to rally the operating departments that I was uh, dependent upon by asking them uh, and very quickly got to a point of saying, this is my event, this is my customer, we have an obligation and here's how it's going to work and it's non-negotiable. Right. So in terms of um, co- expressing confidence in action and, and bringing people on a journey, I guess I stepped into leadership without even knowing that that's what was happening. What about some of the lessons from others? You'd mentioned that, you know, we've all had good bosses and bad bosses. Uh, can you maybe share one of each, you know, something that you learned early on from a good boss? And you don't have to name the bad boss, but maybe some behavior that you observed and said, hmm, that doesn't look like a leadership strategy to me that'll work long term. Um, well, the, the let, let's start with the good. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll give you an example. My One of my favorite days uh, of the year is Christmas Day. Not because right. it's Christmas Day, but because... Typically, I find myself on Christmas Day in a location where there are operating hotels for the company that I run. Mm. So on Christmas Day, just a couple of weeks ago here in L.A., um, Viceroy has had three hotels open on that day. And every Christmas Day at about 1030 in the morning, my my youngest son, Finley, and I, and it's become kind of a family ritual for 15 years, uh, get in my car and we go to each hotel with gifts and we walk Mm. back of house. And personally, thank every member of staff who's working because they would much rather be at home with their families and friends. I have the opportunity to do that. So it would be wrong of me not to go and express my appreciation for what they're doing. And I was taught that. I saw somebody do that very early in my career. That's awesome. And I thought, again, you know, it it doesn't take much. Right. You you burn as many calories being nice as you do being nasty so why be nasty it's so easy to be nice you you go and say please and thank you so so from that perspective i i had the opportunity to work for bosses that were very present in Mm. the business and i learned from them that being present in the business you know not not sending a a video message for orientation if you can be there in person (laughs) but showing up in person and, and 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 connecting with people so that that was great and then in terms of behaviors that i observed in in bosses that Let's put it this way. I, I wouldn't want to mimic and certainly never <laughs> right. set out to, to copy. It was mainly around um, people paying lip service to, mm. to culture and lip service to the ideological obligations that they have as leaders. Here at Viceroy, we have a very activated ideology that exists within our company. And it, it, we're very true to it. It's very meaningful. We put as much effort into articulating why we do what we do right. as much effort as we do how we do what we do and, and the ideology is a statement of our beliefs and and i believe and we challenge ourselves every day and you have mm. to work at it we remain faithful to that and i think it's made us a very unique culturally unique organization um throughout my career i i have observed bosses that i have worked for who are all about the culture when the cameras are on who, who are, <laughs> right. are all yeah. about doing the right thing when there are other people in the room and then as soon as as soon as it's just them it's like culture schmulture let's yeah, you know yeah. let's just make the money and if we, we squeeze people on. until they yeah. break there'll always be more that we can mm-hmm. hire and, and that's that's attitude and behavior that i just find appalling uh, and seeing it yeah. seeing it in 
up close and personal on a couple of occasions mm. just made me want to be completely different. So even though I didn't like the people, I thanked them for being the people they were <laughs> because it made me want to be not them, which made me who I am, if that makes Great sense. Great approach. I love it. Thank you, Bill. Uh, tell me about the first time, or do you remember the first time you started managing people? And if so, where was that? Um, I think the, the, the first time that I started to manage people um, would have been at the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington in London, okay. um, where I was the, the director of sales. So right. I, I assumed team responsibility um, in the sales and marketing department of this beautiful hotel uh, overlooking Kensington Gardens. Uh, mm, then beautiful. the home of, of Princess Diana and, and yeah. Prince Charles. Right. Um, and was the first of many occasions when I realized what a humbling experience it is to manage great people and, and to realize that even though we're called leaders, um, sometimes the best leadership is to follow those who, who work for you, right. give people the, the latitude to do what they need to do and celebrate their achievements and their failures with equal vigor. Yeah. Well, and you've had a terrific career. Let's talk a little bit about that and your your rise to the CEO position there at uh, uh, the Victory Hotel, Viceroy Hotel Group. Um, I know that you spent a couple of years with Conrad, and then we saw, we spoke when we early or talked about your seven years at, at Kapinski. Great hotel chain. Love being there. And you kind of came up through sales and marketing, correct? Where, where, where were you based with Kapinski? Um, initially, I was based in London, uh, running right. the London uh, regional sales office. So, yeah. and Kempinski had no hotels in the UK. So it was right, outbound right. selling to a yeah. brand that was relatively um, unknown. And then over the period of, uh, of my time with the company, uh, I, I want to say, I think Kempinski had about 16 hotels under management when I joined. I think there was about 42, 43 when, when I left seven years wow. later. So it was a, a time of great growth, great momentum. Uh, and over those years, i took more and more responsibility mm. um, and was essentially running the non-operation, the commercial side um, of the business from, from you know, sales, communication, yeah. innovation. Uh, Great training ground there, I pr- it was, imagine. It, it really was, you know, a yeah, yeah. 100-year-old brand right, um, right. and a brand that was going through some, some type of reinvention to make sure that it stayed relevant in, in the fast-changing times mm. in which it was operating with with more and more competition coming to market every single day. Um, yeah. Great hotels yeah. and, and great fun, a great grounding for me, a great, great launch pad. And then off to Dubai for six years. That would have been very interesting. How did that come about? Was that a recruiting opportunity? or It was. It was one of those moments that um, uh, Gerald Lawless, who is, is arguably, the, in my view, um, the, the, the greatest hotelier this this planet has mm. seen. I mean, uh, Gerald had, had heard about me. I'd heard about him. There was an opportunity to um, go and uh, and head up sales and marketing for uh, Jumeirah. Yeah. We met. Um, it, it was all happening. Um, then nine eleven uh, happened. And I remember having mm. a conversation with him because I'd been sub- offered the job pre nine eleven and post nine eleven. Well, just that same year, was right? In, was it two thousand one that you went down yeah. there? Yeah, 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 and and you know the the world was in turmoil, and I remember um, calling Gerald and saying, "I presume it's off," and because of the effect <laughs> on the business. And he said, "Bill, you're going to be running sales and marketing. It's more on than ever." Than anything else. Um, what, what, yeah, is so, that the right attitude? Yeah. So right. moved out there in December of 2001, 
my my eldest son Lucas was nine months old at the time. Oh my, uh, my second son Finley was born there. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it, it was a it was an amazing time in my life. It was an amazing time in my career. Yeah, Extraordinary yeah. place. Um, right. wonderful right. hotels a lot and, of change over that period as well i can imagine yeah i mean there was yeah. there was a luxury hotel opening every week it felt like um, right. Right. the market was growing emirates airlines was adding new routes all of the time um and and working for gerald was was inspiring i learned so much from mm. from him and the team that that he had working for him and the team working around me so yeah. um, awesome. a very very fun time to look back on and then you took your then you took your first ceo job now did you return to uh, ireland with the doyle collection i did i yeah. did so um I, I i felt i was in a place where where i wanted to lead a business right. uh, i had an opportunity to um to do so with the doyle collection which at the time uh, was called uh jury's doyle hotel group right, um, right. and the company mm -hmm. was uh just coming through a take private so it, it it came back off the stock exchange back okay. into family ownership right. um the portfolio was broken up we we got rid of some assets that didn't fit the vision going forward mm. we renovated every hotel we rebranded every hotel we relaunched uh, the company and, and did all of this in the midst of a pretty brutal economic downturn which right. was actually yeah, yeah you made those so, changes right at yeah, very strategic yeah. times both those jobs and if you're gonna <laughs> if you're going to to take room inventory out of the market to renovate it then you might That's as well time. do so uh, <laughs> when there's lesser demand right, um right. so and and you know as an irishman i'm very proud to be um irish and to to have mm -hmm. my first ceo role uh, based in right. dublin the the right, town of right. my birth um, yeah. was very special and it was an incredible That's ride a, a great very proud family who owned that business uh, and i was proud to to be a participant with them to be the catalyst for for change as they they went from being publicly traded to back being privately owned and and reset to relaunch uh, the company and it's it's flourishing today yeah. um, i'm, I'm delighted to see see what happened and and then the call came yeah uh, to Eight come years. to la uh, eight years now at Viceroy, and I think that's this is the longest stint you've had, I think, in any of your previous jobs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think seven is kind of my my, my sweet spot, but if, right. if the shareholders of Viceroy are listening, that does not imply <laughs> anything. Uh, I'm deliriously happy uh, doing what I'm what doing. What was the attraction? Yeah, what, 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 you know, what, what, I, I, I've been very fortunate to, to have had the opportunity to uh, work based in Europe. When I was with Kempinski, uh, there was a uh, an alliance with a, a Thai hotel group called Dusit, mm. um, and okay. I spent a lot of time yeah. in Asia. Dusitani, I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I'd, I'd worked Europe, I'd worked Asia, I'd had um, seven years in the Middle East, and I thought there's a continent missing here, and it's pretty obvious <laughs> which one it is. Um, and it's not so, Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's next, uh, and and I I thought. But it's, it would have to be something very special, very unique, something that, right. that reflected my passion and my, my belief. Turns out that Viceroy um, is owned by uh, an Abu Dhabi investment ah, entity called Mubadala. So they, they okay. were kind of just up the street from the time that I was in Dubai. Right, um, right. And then they, they needed somebody to come in and, and take Viceroy forward to make sure that 
there, there, there was awareness within the business of, of what success looked like, both culturally and commercially, to, to help grow nationally, but also internationally. Mm. Um, and it, you know, I, I, I try to avoid uh, cliches at any cost, but mm. it was the easiest decision I ever made. Uh, yeah. And yeah. It, I can't, uh, to hear you say it's been eight years, it, it feels like eight months. It's hard um, to I imagine. Mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, tell I, us I still, about the group. You know, what's the span? Uh, how many hotels um, operating versus managing versus both um, number of staff? Give us, give us a little thumbnail sketch. Um, to begin with, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Viceroy's positioning. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I consider us to be is a luxury oxymoron. Um, <laughs> our, our positioning is consistent individuality. Mm-hmm. And, and very deliberately, those, those, two words oppose each other because where, where Viceroy lives um, is at the point of collision between those two opposing forces. And my mm. job is to make sure we don't stray too far in either direction. I'll mm. explain that. We, we, we need to have a sufficient degree of consistency in the company to make sure that our processes are strong, that our platforms are robust, and that we can do what we need to do well every time. Right. But doing something well every time doesn't mean doing it the same every time. So I have to ensure that the consistency we have in the business stops short of suffocating what luxury is about. And that is individuality, spontaneity, Mm. authenticity. Um, Every viceroy is one of one. Uh, We're Mm. unique uh, and sympathetic destination. When we are they all under the Viceway brand name, or do you know we 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 operate um, some hotels of what I would call extremely progressive personality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for some of our owners. So we, we have hotels in San Francisco, um, Emblem, Zeta, Zeppelin, Zelos, that, that right. are kind of by Viceroy. So it, it, they're little bespoke uh, hotel operations right. that um, the brand endorses as opposed to the brand uh, sitting on. But then at mm-hmm, the other end mm-hmm. of the, the spectrum, and I don't mean from a quality point of view because the independently branded are, are every bit as good, proud, and contributing as the Viceroy branded hotels. But the Viceroy Lermitage in Beverly Hills is a quite beautiful. Beautiful and and you know it, it's a it's a very established five star luxury market. Um, and to put the word Viceroy on it is the right thing to to do there. So and is that an owned portfolio. and operated property? No, it, we, you, we don't uh, we don't own anything. You don't own we we, we specialize operate. in management. We Got we it. have Got ownership it. partners for yeah. each of the locations that we operate within. And uh, you know, again, back to what I said earlier on, what do we do for our partners? Our first job is to make them proud. And for some right, some right. of our partners, that pride is driven very much by the financial results. For others, mm. it's to be award winning, it's to to have great mm. customer reviews and and to to reflect quality for for a destination. Yeah. And again, a little bit of the scope, uh, number of uh, um, properties that you 14, manage. 14 yeah. hotels open and operating at the moment. Okay. And we have eight in the pipeline. Uh, we oh, will open fantastic. for sure three in 2020. So we have two hotels coming this year in uh, Washington, D.C. One of them okay. will be the Viceroy Washington, D.C. Mm. And the other um, is a hotel in quite close geographic proximity to it, but a million miles away in brand positioning. It's going mm. to be called Hotel Zena. Uh, mm. And the positioning for this hotel, it's going to be a, a tribute. It's going to be a celebration of the achievement of, of powerful women and the contribution oh, of, of, of the female spirit throughout the ages. So we're wow. super excited about this hotel. And that, that celebration, that, that reflection of achievement 
will be evident in in the art program of the hotel and and yeah. and some of the things that that we're going to do. So um, super very cool. very different offerings. Yeah, yeah. And then later this year, we're going to open our second uh, ski resort. Oh. Already being in in Snowmass, uh, mm -hmm. one of the mountains in the Aspen Mountain Range, uh, we will be opening in Central Europe in Serbia in, oh, in a great. resort called Kapaunik, and uh, that should uh, come to market in uh, September, ready for nice. 2020 um, ski season. Beyond that, we have a golf resort uh, under development in Portugal on the Algarve. Mm. Uh, we have an unbelievable resort under development in Bocas del Toro in Panama, which mm. will feature uh, overwater villa products. So the kind of villas that you find in, in the Maldives or in, in Tahiti, still, uh, where still you're based in the ocean pure, on stilts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so a, a really robust and exciting uh, pipeline and, and tremendous momentum in, in the company. We're the way really, you describe them, I want to go on vacation this weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> to reach out and find out. And, and, and uh, total staff, what's your, well, your current um, footprint? Well, two, two ways to answer the question. From, yeah. from a corporate perspective, we, we're, we're very lean in the way we, we right. run the company. It's We've got great group. people who are very involved. So there's yeah. about 60 people in total at a corporate right. level, right. Um, the majority of whom are based here in the office I'm speaking to you sure. from in, in the red building of the Pacific Design Center in West Hollywood. Okay. Right. And we have colleagues in different parts of the world. And then across the operating portfolio, we're about two and a half thousand people in total. Yeah. And those are your employees, technically, right? They're on the vice Depends payroll. Depends on, on location to location. In many cases, right. as a third party, as a, an independent management company who is running a hotel on behalf of an owner, the, the staff of the hotel will actually be on owner payroll, but we manage them. And in other locations, there are staff. So it, it the business model changes according to, yeah, to where we course, are. The relationships. Well, it sounds like you're on a, a very trajectory, growth trajectory, which is exciting yeah, as well yeah. with all the new properties coming up. Bill, I've heard it said recently that it can be uncomfortable sometimes having your answers questioned rather than your questions answered as a CEO. Have you been in that situation? If so, how do you handle that? I think if you're a CEO and you're not encouraging people to question your answers, um, mm. then then you know you live in with your head in a cloud, um, <laughs> right. and, and or the sand, you know, one of the two, or the sand. Yeah, I mean, if if we only if we only hear our own our own voices, it, it, you know, it gets pretty monotonous, and and certainly it's not the most creative environment. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, I, I would love to say, and I, I believe it's true, it happens all the time because it's encouraged. Mm. We. Good. You know, here in the corporate office, we do stand up um, every Tuesday morning. We 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 go into a room. There's no script. There's no agenda. We go around the room. Everyone talks about what what they're doing, how they're feeling, what 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 their priorities are, what their concerns are, and everyone can chip into everyone's conversation, including mine. Mm. Um, and and there is there's no such thing as a bad question. I always commit, whether I'm here in in the corporate office or or uh, visiting with the operating hotels and meeting with their their teams. Um, you know, if you ask a question, you'll get an honest answer. Right. Um, if I don't have the answer, I'll try and find it and come back to you. And on yeah. very rare occasions, the answer might be, I can't answer that for mm. reasons of confidentiality or sensitivity. But if that's the answer, it will be honestly uh, mm. delivered. But, you know, I, I, I don't believe in, in presentations. I believe in conversations. Mm. Uh, it, it needs to be a dialogue. Um, and then you, 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 you back that up by having other companies call them colleague opinion surveys, we call it a colleague pride survey, which gives people right. the opportunity anonymously 
to express a view, to put comments, and to rate how we as leadership and how I as um, a CEO am doing. But mm. at the very heart of this, going back to something we talked about earlier, is you know, you're talking to, to a guy who always wanted what I got. And what I always wanted mm. was the title of chief executive officer. I was obsessed mm. with it. I thought this yeah. is it, the holy grail, you know, the pinnacle. Yeah. And when I got it, I realized just how stupid it is. Um, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm reminded of that every time I do orientation. So I, I, mm. I walk into orientation, which I love to do, to welcome new colleagues to the company and, and we'll say to them, you know, what's your name? What do you do? And, and the answer might be, well, I'm, I'm Sam and I'm a restaurant manager. And, and the title is restaurant manager because Sam manages a restaurant and it mm. could be somebody else who's a cocktail server and they're called a cocktail server because they serve cocktails. So right. purpose and action are evident in their titles. And then they say to me, well, who are you? And I say, well, I'm <laughs> Bill and I'm the chief of the executives and it's meaningless. There's no, right, there's no right. purpose evident in my title. So I, I rebrand myself at every orientation. I say, mm. guys, don't think of me as the chief executive officer of the company. Think of me as the chief pride officer of this company mm. because my purpose is to make people proud. And if I'm not yeah. doing that, everything else that I am doing is utterly irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Bill. How would you say your leadership styles evolved over time? Um, I think I've had to get better at doing the things that are less nice to do. Mm. Um, because as a leader, sometimes you have to make decisions which are in the best interest of the business, frequently in the best interest of an individual, but right. they can be difficult messages to deliver. Give us um, a recent one that you can well, share Well, you know, it, I, I, I won't pick any, any one because it wouldn't be appropriate, but what I'm talking about is, is holding people accountable. Mm, it's yeah. uh, giving critical feedback on the occasions it's required. Uh, on, on some occasions, it might be having to make a change. Um, and... It's, it's never an easy thing to do because as a believer that our role is to be human beings, making other human beings happy, sometimes you end up having to make them unhappy um, or make an individual unhappy in order to do the right thing by the greater collective and, and, right. and the greater group. So, and I was very bad at that. I remember <laughs> speaking to somebody I admired once and I said, look, what, what is the one thing that I should keep in my mind as a leader to constantly do well? And he said, let me answer it this way. The thing that I see executed least effectively in leadership is the ability uh, to make people-based change mm. on time. And mm. I'm, I'm terrible at that. I mean, it, it, it can, you know, I know something has to happen within a business, but getting, getting to the point of, of, of execution of that action um, is difficult. Yeah, um, so absolutely. I think my leadership's, I, I hope I've always, um, been present as a leader. I hope I've always been accessible and 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 communicative as a leader. Um, you know, being a leader means making tough decisions, and sometimes right. they're not popular yeah, decisions. And, and that took me time, and I'm still working on it. If I'm honest, yeah. One, one hopes that it always evolves as well, right? Yeah. There's always going to yeah. be new situations. Um, we're running out of time. It's been sure. a great conversation. A couple of questions more, just to top us off. What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire, Bill? Um, I want to. I want to hire people for the position they'll be in two positions from now. Mm. Um, I, I think that um, certainly when, when there's any component of leadership or supervision involved in the role, I'm always looking to see, will the front office manager have the potential to be a rooms division manager, have the potential mm. to be a hotel manager, have the potential yeah. to be a general manager? So um, I think it, it, it's looking for future 
potential. There's a lot of and people you, out do there. You, do you manage that by looking and asking about their qualifications or is it more oh, in attitude. their passion? More in it's, what it, they... it's, it's passion. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a believer yeah. that pretty much anything can be trained. Maybe right. not open heart surgery, but uh, you know, <laughs> hospitality Let's is not open heart surgery. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. I, I'm a, one of my idols in industry is Danny Meyer, uh, the founder mm. of the, the, the Union Square Hospitality Group and, and then later founder of Shake Shack and many yeah, other businesses. Yeah. Danny talks about the 51%. It's about, you know, it, it, if you're looking at the balance of skill to attitude in a candidate, if, if skill has a greater proportion of what's evident to you than their attitude, don't hire them. If attitude is present and you're worried whether or not they have the skill set, you can give them the skills. Right. Um, right. So that's what so I look true. for. Yeah. Awesome. Last question, Bill, what career and life advice would you give someone who has their eyes on the corner office as you did earlier in their, in your career? I would say, um, be true to yourself. Um, celebrate the intention of an action as vigorously as you celebrate the outcome of an action. I think we, we end up have ended up living in a, in a world where perfection is expected and anything other than a hundred percent achievement is failure. Um, I look at people like Sir Richard Branson, who, when you read his autobiography, he speaks as proudly, if not more proudly, of the businesses he launched that failed right. as the businesses right. that succeeded because the failures seeded the successes that, right. that came. The learnings yeah. helped him be better next time. So don't get obsessed with perfection. Be prepared to fail. Say yeah. please and thank you. Um, and, and don't forget to, to laugh. And finally... <laughs> <laughs> and not everyone agrees with this. This is where I am. Work to live. You know, I, I know too many people who live to work uh, to the exclusion of parts of their lives that should be satisfying, should be extraordinary. Um, and, and never forget that we have a short time on the planet. Let's enjoy it along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Bill Wall, CEO at Viceroy Hotel Group. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.